Hello, my friends, and blessed Easter, blessed resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the uh, octave of Easter uh, Thursday. So um, I'm going to talk about a few things that I think it's very important that we need to talk about, about living, um, living the faith. And I know that's a tough thing because I struggle with it every single day, you know, um, especially since we're living in a very uh, aggressive, tyrannical, uh, secular society that is very anti-Christian, very anti-faith, um, very anti-Christ. And that's true. We have to really uh, acknowledge it as an anti-Christ culture we're living in um ever since the the uh the the christian school at uh tennessee uh the covenant uh presbyterian school where those uh six six people three children three adults were killed uh it's interesting uh one of the uh, uh messianic uh uh a Jewish minister, uh, Rabbi Khan, uh, Jonathan Khan pointed out, if you notice the age of the three adults, 60, 61, and 60, you look at the numbers, it's 666. And the children, were uh, all the three children were of the age nine, and if you flip the numbers over, it's 666. It's just an interesting, uh, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything like that, but I'm not saying that the killer knew about it, but it definitely seems, it, it has a very ominous look to it when you think about it. And the fact that now we got Dylan Mulvaney advertising for Bud Light and there's a backlash against that. Now he's advertising, uh, this transgender man is advertising uh, now women's bra. And uh, I just saw a clip with Megan Kelly. She was pretty flipped over this whole thing. And it's getting to the point now where our society, now we have to look at there's something deeply deeply um, twisted about our American culture. Not just American culture, but Western culture in general. This culture of ours has this unbelievable um, twisted mindset Um of, I don't know what to say. It's just pathetic. Um, we're, we're always pushing the envelope. We have a problem with morality. We have a problem with religion. We have a problem. Uh, we have an obsession with politics and social justice of pushing the envelope Straight to the, uh, I mean, we, we have an obsession with perversion. Okay, morality means we have a problem with anything that's decent. 
And then, which means that we have a twisted obsession with perversion. Why is that? Why is that? On one hand, you have an aggressive um, leftist perverted agenda, like with the Democrats, who want to tear down the past, which is what Marxists always want to do. They want to burn the past. They don't want anybody to have any memory of the past. And then we have this thing where, like, on one hand, we we want to save the environment, save the planet. But on the other hand, we want to turn biology inside out. All right? It's like this Frankenstein obsession to to just turn everything inside out and and reinvent reality. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's like a, a schizophrenic civil, civilization we're living in. Save the environment. Save the planet. The planet will be destroyed within 10, 12 years. You got someone like AOC and then you got this Greta Thunberg and then you got Al Gore talking about this and everybody talks about saving the environment climate change and everything but on the other hand let's mutilate our children let's let's castrate them let's remove the young women's breasts let's um uh let's not acknowledge oh in australia now you're not you're not supposed to acknowledge the the biology of the baby the the gender of the baby now it's a fan ba- uh, a fay baby a faby. they call it a faby now, and they're not going to write the the gender uh, the child's of a boy or girl on the birth certificate because gender is a social construct. Do you see what's going on here? Save the environment, save the planet, save the mountains, save the kangaroos, save the whales. Right? Save the eagles, save the, the the owls, mutilate your child. Do you see what's going on? It's 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 like everything is upside down and turned inside out. Why? It's just ridiculous. But then and again and again, now we have secular society has completely gone out of its freaking mind. I'm sorry to say that, but it's gone out of its freaking mind. Our politicians are absolutely out of their mind. We got, we got a great, I mean, let's face it. There's something deeply seated wrong With the Democratic Party. I'm not saying that the Republican Party is any better because there's some Republicans that are that 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 just don't have a spine and uh you know they weren't born with a spine. <laughs> the Democrats are neo Marxist, socialist, communists, globalists. I, you cannot convince me anymore. And another thing, those particular Catholics, Christians, 
who don't want to talk about politics and don't think politics should be involved into in, in religion, you're going to have to grow a spine. You're going to have to go back and rethink your faith. Being a Christian has always been political. Christ was political. The day he stood on that balcony with Pontius Pilate, all right, that even from the from even before that, let's go back to the time he was born. All right, born under Her- uh, when Herod the Great was a ruler, under Caesar Augustus, when the 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 whole world was called to be enrolled in a census taxation. It's a, it's, it was both. It was a census and a taxation thing. When Herod tried to murder him, it was political. When Mary and Joseph uh, took the Holy Child, the Christ Child, and ran to Egypt, that was political. Okay? The faith was not made to be kept private behind closed doors. Our faith is meant to be lived out in the open. And we were meant to change the world. When Christ said, go out to all the world and preach the gospel, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our faith has always been political. When he got arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was both Roman soldiers and temple guards that showed up, our faith was political. When he stood in front of the Sanhedrin and was judged, our faith was meant to be political and out in the open. The apostles ran, the disciples ran and hid themselves. But our Lord stood out on the state on the political stage of history in the spotlight in front of the whole world to be seen. When he went to the temple courtyard and overturned the 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 money changers, that was political. He didn't do it in a private corner of his uh, when nobody saw behind closed doors. So those Catholics, those Christians that have this problem, all right? Grow a spine. Grow a spine. You have to start growing a spine. You cannot keep living like this, afraid. Afraid of talking about birth control, abortion. Afraid to talk about transgenderism. Afraid to talk, afraid to call out politicians uh, like Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, or the Cuomos, or any other Catholic politician that 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 makes a scandal of their faith, or even the fact that we have cardinals and bishops who rub shoulder with politicians take. Uh, government grants for helping with with uh, illegals and undermining the country's stability. Um, yeah, you got to call them out. We have to stop this nonsense of being afraid. Yeah, it's true. We got to choose our battles. We have to choose our battles. But we're not meant to hide. We're not meant to 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 hide because when we hide we lose the ground we lose 
we lose we lose credibility. It's okay to to have someone like Joe Biden pick uh, pull a rosary out of his pocket and say I'm a Catholic. Meanwhile, he supports trans uh, mutilation of youth, gender affirming care, and then and then at the same time, uh, you know, people like him push for abortion. And then and then and then we sit there and we're thinking, well, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, we have members in our faith in our local parishes. That I have to say with all honesty, I question, I can't help but question their motives. I can't help but question their motives as Catholics. Because we know there are people who are very strong social activists among us. Very strong social activists. They, 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 you know, because that generation from the 60s and 70s had very strong liberation theology attitude. I mean, they, they've done great damage to the faith and they're still with us to this very day. They're with, you know, the, the, these old hippies, these old, Looney Tune hippies, and uh, you know they're they're in the clergy, and and they're you know they're they're still dominant in the parish councils, you know, and everything, and and they're still they they don't want to admit that they're wrong. They can't. They they're gonna go down. They're gonna sink in that boat, you know. And sadly, we gotta wait for them to die out. It's a sad, horrible thing to say, I know, but. <sighs> But this has to stop. It has to stop because it's it's terrible. It's just, I mean, they 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 don't want to teach proper catechesis. All right, they don't want to treat. They don't want to teach proper catechesis. They don't want to teach, um, you know, real. Theology. They don't want to teach proper interpretation of scripture. I mean, for crying out loud, even our, like the New American Bible. I mean, oh my goodness. Uh, I was talking to a friend uh, right before Easter. And he was telling me that, you know, he has the, uh, the New American Bible. And the notes really boggled him. You know, it had all the you know, all the, the historical critical method uh, interpretation notes, Q gospel, um, you know, all the, um, the dates were all basically the historical critical method dates of, 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 uh, of basically undermining the, the, um, the supernatural and the divine authority of Christ basically that uh Jesus uh that the you know and all the stuff about the historical Jesus and and the Jesus community and the and the Jesus movement all that horrible stuff from the from the um you know the Jesus seminar that made its way into the new american bible 
<clears throat> a New American Bible is, is really a horrible translation. I mean, there's some parts of it are good. And, you know, like, for example, they, 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 they made it even worse. The book of Genesis, uh, God created humanity. Instead of God created man in his image, he created a male and female. It, they made, they decided to go with the inclusive thing. And sadly, I have, I have the, the, the new Catholic Bible and I have an original print where it actually says the, the Orthodox translation, uh, God created man in his image. And then later on, somehow later, some um, some activists decided uh, uh, got their hands on it and decided to make an inclusive translation. So now, um, you know, I mean, it's it's just you know they they have this thing like they think they're going to win. They're going to win people over. They think they're going to win people over. They think that they think that these kids or these people are going to stay in the faith. They're not. They're not. The ones who keep the faith alive are conservative Catholics, are orthodox practicing Catholics. All right, they are orthodox practicing Catholics. They don't want the world. They don't want the activism of the world to come into their Bibles. They don't want activism to come into their prayers. They don't want activism. They don't want social activism and social justice to come into their theology. You don't go to church to hear social justice. We know that there's morality. We know that there's justice. But it's the justice of God, not the justice of man. Not the justice, not the social justice of the Democrats, not the social justice of the uh, of BLM. We don't want to hear these things in our in our theology. We go to church because we want Jesus Christ. We want to hear the justice of God, not the justice of man. Okay. Well, that's what that's why we go to church. We don't want that. We don't want we want to hear Jesus Christ. We want to hear him. We want to hear God's justice, not not the justice of of the mob. Not of Karl Marx, not of liberation theology. We don't want to hear LGBT in our theology. Okay, we don't want to hear any of that that. We want to hear about true God and true man. We want to hear about Christ. None of that stuff. The stuff is 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 you know is dated, it's old, and it's also fading away. All right, just like all the old all the old liberated liberated uh, clerics, you know? They don't even they don't believe any of the stuff. They said they're they're in the church because they made the church their home. They made the church their 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 retirement center. And sadly, you know, they still don't want to you know admit that they fit that they're lost. That's why that's why now you you're hearing all this battle about about the um the traditional Latin mass. Because the traditional Latin mass, um, 
a lot of people go to it because it's not the world. It's true. I mean, I went to Easter Vigil. It was packed. There was a lot of people there. There was a lot of, um, you know, there was a lot of baptisms, a lot of, uh, uh, within the Asian community, they were baptized, a lot of Chinese people. We have a, we have a large Chinese community where we live in Diker Heights, and a lot of them were entering the faith. And there was one baby, one little baby got, uh, Asian baby got baptized, which was nice. There was one or two, three Hispanics. And it was exhaustive because what the what they do is sadly, and it's understandable, it is understandable. They they do the readings in all the languages. They did it in English, they did it in Spanish, they did it in Italian, and then they did it in Chinese. Mandarin, I'm gonna take a guess. It was very long. It was very long. Um we did the candle, uh, the blessing of the fire. Uh, they lit the fire, uh, the priest, the deacon. Um, our new pastor, I think he's Romanian, so he has a very heavy accent. He does speak Italian. His Italian seems to be quite understandable to the Italian-American community, but it's it was long. You know, they did the whole uh, Christ is the light. This is the night. The This is the the night when, you know, they go and went back, you know, the, the long epic poem. I did it. I think I did it in the last podcast. I read it, you know, from the night of Passover in Egypt, uh, the night when the uh, the Israelites passed through the, the Red Sea and, uh, and the night when... Um, when Christ was laid in the tomb and he raised up, he raised up uh, on that night. It was a very beautiful thing. <clears throat> but like I said, it's long and it can be very exhausting. And, you know, when you're doing multi-bilingual or trilingual, whatever you want to call it, it can be very exhausting. I had to go to the bathroom once. I'm 51 years old. I'm not a young man anymore. So, you know, I can't, it's, uh, it's, it can be very exhausting. But it's great to see that there were baptisms. But the, my, only, my only concern is um, how are they nurturing their faith after, you know, when we, we did the baptism and then they did the confirmation. Um. But how are they nurturing their faith? Are they practicing their faith? Are they going to mass on Sundays? Are they are they praying? What's their prayer life is like? <clears throat> are they um, are they growing in their faith? I mean, I went through myself after my conversion. Uh, I struggled. I went through you know because first of all, it was very difficult. Um, Living in New York City, you don't exactly have a support network that much. I have friends. And when I have friends, I, you know, you know, they helped me. You know, I've gone through dry spells where I, I um, you know, seasons of dry spells where I, where I neglected my faith. 
I'm not going to be, I'm not proud of it, but I've gone through it. I've gone through, um, I even struggled with, with the moral problems, like such as the, the sex scandals. That was a struggle. Um, I even went, you know, struggled with a lot of things, struggled with, um, with scandals of the bishops. Their, um, their negligence has got me confused and a lot of times um, about a lot of things. But eventually I went back to the faith because my life without Christ was miserable. And I also struggled with a lot of other things, like, for example, the kind of things that the world distracts you with. Now I can, you know, a lot of these things I can let go because they're not helping me with my faith. You see, like, I grew up a comic book guy and I still held on to it for a long time. That's, you know, these are the things you do. You hold on to it. And I had a dream of becoming a comic book artist and illustrator and stuff like that. Now, seeing, seeing this, seeing the, the wokeness, the woke stuff, I can actually turn away from them now. Realizing that these things were little idols. Realizing that pop culture is really an idol. I mean, I was watching something last night of uh, Generation Z Catholic. It's a new YouTube YouTube channel. And there's a young person. He's about 21 years old. And um, I saw a video where he was talking about the pop culture Jesus. I'm, I'm serious. Pop culture Jesus from Jesus Christ Superstar. I didn't really know much about God's spell. I didn't know it was really about uh, uh, Jesus, but it's really hippie pop culture Jesus. And he grew up, this guy, this guy kind of grew up with these, uh, these musicals and he knows, he knows all the, the songs by heart. And I thought it was very funny. And I, and you can see that the, this fellow was really still kind of holding on to it. And I thought to myself, it was very similar to me holding on to my comic books you know, to holding on to the comic book culture, to the pop, to the, to these particular fantasy characters. And he wants to sort of like, this is really funny. He wants to somehow, he wants to take something like Jesus Christ Superstar and try to save it, to make it Orthodox Catholic and like, you're not going to do it. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're trying to take around a, 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 a circle and force it. You're trying to take Catholicism and trying to take the, the culture and you're trying to force them to conform to each other. To satisfy your gratifications and you can't. And he said something that it won't be into public domain till 2063. And you're not going to do it. Why not just create something completely new? Why not just create something? Why not just create a, a, a musical, a, a opera 
that can speak to this generation. Like, why does the Latin Mass matter to you? Why does why do you like the Latin Mass? Why not communicate it in a in a in a in a spiritual opera to this generation? You're still thinking like a kid. You're still thinking with your high school mentality. And because you 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 have such because you know what you're trying to do, what he's trying to do is he's trying to hold on to that feel-good time when he was ignorant about about the about these about these musicals when now he sees how how heretical these musicals were they 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 are they're deeply heretical Scott's spell is is really Jesus presented as a clown it's clown Jesus it's not it's 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 made by 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 secular culture it's secular culture making fun of Christ and Jesus Christ superstar is is hippie culture. It, it was born out of the Jesus Revolution movement. All right. I mean, we've all know, I know there's that film with Jonathan Rumi, and it started from a good, sincere point. But you gotta separate from the 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 sincere conversion to the hippie um the hippie, you know, movement that was not sincere about conversion, that played with religion, that played with it. Because there's two, there's just, you got to remember, just like in Catholicism, we have like with the Norris Ordo, there was sincere orthodoxy. And then there were those who were not sincere about the, the theology and they were they're too different that's why you have clown masses in the Norbus Ordo you have rainbow masses in the Norbus Ordo you I mean I saw a video where they literally showed it I didn't know this but they were uh, well I heard about it they were okay they were a bunch of nuns these were all um hippie nuns lesbian nuns that were dancing as vestal virgins <laughs> You know, they were doing, doing, uh, you know, dances, you know, this is all, this is all to make themselves happy, you know, to put themselves, you know, to, to, to put a spotlight. It's all narcissism. It's all pathetic narcissism. It's not, it's not about Christ. It's about themselves. And they're dancing around the altar with incense bowls trying to, you know, looking like pagan, pagan, uh, uh, priestesses and everything. Then there was the. There were people actually that did that did really, really blasphemous things at the masses. They uh, this is all in Norbus Ordo, sadly. It's all in Norbus Ordo. It happened within then. They they um, they had uh, uh, hippie, uh, you know, folk music with guitars. They had clown masses. They were priests dressed up as clowns. They were priests who dressed up as as magicians, like like a David Copperfield thing. They did that in masses in some places. There was one I a couple of months ago. 
uh, last year was Taylor Marshall showed one guy, one priest in France, where he was actually, he turned himself into a DJ at the altar with, with sunglasses. He mimicked a DJ like, a, a, like at, a, at a nightclub with rock music in the background. You know, and then there was uh, masses we had like in Wisconsin where they were cheering their football team and they were all wearing cheese wedges on their head. The priest was wearing a cheese wedge. They had uh, colors of their football team around the, the sanctuary. You know, and then there's the Chicago thing. The Chicago, um, you know, in Chicago, everything, you know, everything goes, you know, they, they actually turned it into a discotheque. They had it, they turned it into a, you know, there was lights, there was neon lights, there was like music, there was um, gospel. They, uh, they had, they didn't have all the proper um gold or silver um um sacred vessels you know, like to for the eucharist they had carved it was very afrocentric it was very gospel uh like free gospel centric you know uh rock go gospel and everything and and they had a guy who actually had a a, a some he had, i guess he was part of some council church council where he was performing, um, I think I think it was the same mass, performing a, a a bubble performance, a bubble show. You see what I'm saying? All they turned it into a theater. They turned it into a performance. It's not about Christ. It's about them. Where was Christ in all of this? Christ was reduced into politics, into social justice. It's not about repentance of sin. It's not about preaching the truth. They brought the world into the church. They brought the world into the church. So what so what did you get out of it? You got nothing. You got the world. Sure, some people felt a high. They got a, 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 a certain high from the whole thing. They loved it because, but where was the gospel? Where was the repentance of sins? There wasn't any. So that's the problem here. So that's where the Novus Ordo broke into two. It spliced, it, it sliced into two. On one hand, you had everybody from like the EWTN, the John Paul II Novus Ordo and everything who wanted to perform the mass properly. There was people wanted to do communion on the tongue a lot of them try to do, um, they try to do uh, ad orientum. Some bishops held back on that one. They didn't want to do ad orientum. So, yeah, you had, because really the documents of Vatican II never said to stop using Latin. It mentioned Latin with the local vernacular, like it could be in Spanish, Italian, French, English, Polish, Portuguese, um, you know, Russian, whatever Slavonic language, Romanian, Arabic, uh, 
local African. I mean, in Africa, they they have their masses in Latin and in the local language. And they, I think in many places they do do, they, they perform, you know, the present day mass in in Latin and ad orientum. Ad orientum, for those of you who don't understand it, it means facing the tabernacle or facing east. If not east, you fa- you can face the tabernacle. The priest is back, is towards the worshipers, is not being rude. It's leading you to worship. It's like a worship, it's a worship leader. It's, think of it this way. You don't want your, your bus driver facing you, looking back at you all the time when he's driving the bus. The priest is leading us to worship God. That's how it, it was done. That's how it was supposed to be done. You know, um, it's supposed to be that way. Now, what happened was is that uh, the reformers, some of them, hijacked and made the priest face the people and he became an entertainer, like in a Protestant service. I think that's what happened uh, with the uh, many of the Protestant service. They just turned... They turned the the minister, the priest, to face the people, and so it stopped. You know, it it stopped being about God, and it made the minister concerned about his. It made it made the parishioners into an audience, and it made him. It made the priest into an entertainer, and that's you know. It put him on stage. It put the spotlight on him and everything. And it turned the whole worship service into entertainment. That's not what it was supposed to be. So that's what happened. So yeah, when the priest is saying the consecration, he's facing the tabernacle. He's facing God. He's not facing the people. And yeah, that is a problem. That is a serious problem. Now you can... You know, I mean, you, you're gonna, you know, you might find some places. Very rarely, you'll find them where the priest is doing the Nobis Ordo in as ad orientum. You'll find them in some places, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of bishops just are against it. You know, you get a, you get a few bishops that are very that are bullies. And a few cardinals that are very, very revolutionary, they're gonna they're, they're gonna bully the other ones to stand in line and not and not break and not break it. Unfortunately, that's what happened. So yeah, it, you're gonna get. Um, I mean, you know, there were some that did the that did the Novus Ordo reverently, even though they got to do it facing the people. They do it with some Latin. Uh, there's a lot of anger against the idea of receiving Holy Communion on the tongue kneeling. Like I know at St. Agnes, St. Agnes I used to go to, I haven't been there in a while. Um, they have a kneeler, they have an altar rail. You kneel. There are some people who receive communion standing and there are some people who receive communion kneeling. And those who receive communion kneeling receive it on the tongue. Because you're not, you're, as a lay person, we shouldn't be touching. And that's another thing. This receiving communion in the hand 
was meant to be temporary. But as you can see, this led to a lot of abuse. It led to a lot of abuse. It led to a lot of Satanists pocketing the Holy Communion and taking it to their to their black mass ritual. I've heard a story where literally somebody took the Holy Communion and put it in a picture book. I don't. I, this is a story I heard. Uh, some people literally wanted to take the Holy Communion and who knows what they were planning to do. They wanted to desecrate it. They wanted to prove it's not God. They wanted to prove that there's no real presence. Who knows? And some Satanists want to take it to their black mass to desecrate it. Yeah, there's a lot of people that do that. This is why they, they there shouldn't be Holy Communion in the hand. Because there's there's a lot of people that don't understand it. They don't. I mean, I've seen per, people walk up. I remember when I used to help Father Richard at Our Lady Cook Council, and I, he wanted me to help him distribute Holy Communion. I remember some guy walking up to me and literally taking it from me with his hand. All right, I'm not a priest. I'm not a priest. I didn't know what to say. I did not know what to say. And I, I one time I, I, I accidentally dropped the, the, the consecrated host, our Lord, on the floor. The lady in front of me was very reverent. She picked up, she picked up the, the blessed sacrament and she put it in her mouth, you know, because it's still the real presence. Now, who knows if there were crumbs? This is the one the thing they talk about why there shouldn't be, why there, there should be altar servers with a plate, the plate that they used to put underneath you just in case you drop it, falls on the plate and doesn't touch the ground. This is why the priest is very, very conscious of making sure there are no crumbs because particles, particles, that contain the real presence. This is why we believe that the when the priest says persona Christi, this is my body, this is my blood, it is the true presence of Christ. And it does defy logic and reason and physics of the world because you can't put a limit on God, on the power of God. Christ communicates himself to our world. He makes himself accessible to us. The incarnation is made accessible to us now, today, in Holy Communion. This is my body. This is my blood. The minute those words are said, he comes into the world through, he makes himself accessible through the bread and wine through the species of wine, the bread of wine. And he's, you know, he makes his, he makes himself accessible to us. You don't receive a portion of him. There has been Eucharistic miracles all over the world. In the seventh century, if I got the date right, a priest who doubted while he was saying, you know, the words where he was saying mass, the Eucharist, turn to the real flesh of Christ. To this day, they actually have 
they have they have it and it is tested by by doctors by scientists i know this sounds crazy but literally they found that the flesh comes from the heart of of the victim right from his heart with the blood vessels the heart and the blood comes from that artery and in many other places and also the the dna is the same dna the other places where the host the consecration in argentina actually there's one incident under a cardinal bergoglio who's now pope francis today was investigated and it was this it proved the same thing from the one from the 7th century with the same um uh results the same tests as the same individual the same victim and there were other eucharistic hosts where yeah the the host became started to bleed and it and and it developed into the real flesh and again the tests scientists tested came out to the same result all from the same individual mysterious individual which is only Jesus Christ himself so these things these things are true now yeah it's up to you to accept to accept it but you can do a whole bunch of study of Eucharistic miracles, of actual Eucharistic miracles, and you will find it is the truth. Even cases where statues bled, where uh, the figure of the Christ from the crucifix bled, the blood samples are from the same. I, uh, and here's the thing. The same blood samples that are on the Eucharistic host have proven very, uh, I believe, and I, and I, could, I, I I'm quite certain, that it's from the same individual who was in the shroud. There's also in in uh, in Spain where they have the um, the cloth that covered the face of our Lord in the shroud. Also, prove that it's the same individual, the same individual in the shroud, and the same blood samples that appear in the Eucharistic miracles. I know it sounds impossible, but there are things in this world we can't explain. And this is something why you cannot bring the world, going back, you cannot bring the world into the liturgy. Why we shouldn't have clown masses. Why we shouldn't have contemporary music. Why we shouldn't have guitars. Why we shouldn't celebrate the mass like a discotheque, like a party. There shouldn't be naked people dancing around performing some, some, you know, some pagan orgy dance. No, we shouldn't have nuns dressed. I mean, uh, the individual was right in one, in one video, YouTube video. Why in the world would you call yourself a nun and not dress like a nun? Why bother be a nun? And he's right. Just because you wear a brooch is supposed to tell me I'm, uh, you're a nun? What does that mean? Does anybody know what a brooch is anymore? 
just be, just because you're you know you you just want to have a nice club to belong to or because you really really what it is you're looking for a retirement home and you're looking for narciss some some narcissistic attention that's what it is you're a nun you're supposed to be a nun you're supposed to be a bride of Christ act like one dress like one behave as one pray as one don't turn into your private retirement home it doesn't mean a single thing to me. It doesn't mean a single thing to young people today. Okay? You're a priest. Dress like a priest. Behave like a priest. Act like a priest. Be a priest. All right? You're a, you're, you're a brother. You, 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 you chose the consecrated life. You chose to, to live as a brother, to live as a monk. Act like one. Behave as one. And pray as one. Nobody goes to church, all right, because they, you know, they, they don't want to see the world. I don't want to see the world. I don't want to see the world. I want to be in church. I want, when I enter church, I want the outside world outside and I want to be in the sacred. Okay, I don't want to see... Kubaya. I don't want to see, I don't want somebody coming over and hugging me and holding my hand. I want Christ. And that's what everybody wants. And this is the problem with all these people. They have a, they, they have a twisted understanding of religion. Like, for example, what does the word religion mean? Nobody ever bothers to figure out what the word religion means. It actually is related to a Latin word meaning relationship. It means relationship. And it mean, technically it means sacred relationship. Religiatio comes from that word. It's, it's actually, that's the Latin word. And it's, there's a lot of other ar just arguments about it, but let's be serious. It means relationship with God, your relationship with the gods, because remember, I mean, it was a time when the, the Romans were pagan and God's relationship with you and God's relationship with your neighbor. I want you to take a picture of a pyramid, a triangle. Then there's that horizontal relationship with your neighbor and you. So technically, it's a balance. Like Christ gave us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your will. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I have a relationship with God. You have a relationship with God. Both of us are targeting a relationship with God. Picture it like at an angle. Then there's a relationship. My balanced relationship with God depends my balanced relationship with you and your relationship with me. Relationship. Religiacio. That's the whole point of it. I know there's more to it. I know I didn't get all of it correctly, but nobody ever bothered to figure that out. Everybody throws religion out. Religion out everywhere. Nobody knows what it means. But that's exactly what it means. I know Peter Crift said that in his book, 
Catholic Christianity. He mentions it in there in the chapter. But it's actually, that's what it means. It means relationship. And if there's an imbalance with my relationship, my imbalance, like that's why Jesus said, if you, your, 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 your brother has a cause against you and you brought your, you brought your gift to the altar and that gift can be ourselves, yourself with God, your relationship with God. Remember, it goes, it goes back to that. But you know you have done harm to your brother, to your neighbor. Leave your gift at the altar and reconcile your relationship with your neighbor. You see how God is concerned in our own well-being, with, with our relationship with our family, with our friends, with our neighbor, with our parents, with our brother and sister. We have to clear that up. Clear that 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 mess up. We have to get. We have to clean up the skeletons in the closet, and do the best we can to reconcile with that person. And we go and we can reconcile. Then come and offer yourself the gift of yourself, your relationship, your complete, total self with God. Even if, let's say, you tried. And that individual, your family member, your friend doesn't reconcile with you. At least you tried. And you come back and you offer yourself to God. You offer your gift. That's what it's all about. The problem is these stupid people, these stupid hippies in the church have totally abandoned those things, have totally abandoned this. This is why Matt, this is why confession is down. This is why belief in the real presence in the Eucharist is down. Everything I mentioned is very important. Christ, Jesus Christ, is real. He's alive. He's present in the Holy Eucharist. It doesn't matter how bad the priest is. The, remember, Judas believed, Judas was a priest. He cast out demons. He healed people. He performed miracles while he, was, while he was with Jesus. And then he went and betrayed our Lord. And this is another thing that people have a problem with. At the Thursday night, Wednesday into Thursday, Judas decided to betray our Lord. Satan has entered his heart. In the Last Supper, in John's Gospel, it talks about Jesus taking a morsel, dipping it, and giving it to Judas. And Judas ate it, and Satan entered him. And the Lord said, what you are about to do, go do quickly. This is a reminder, a warning to all of us, that we can become Judas, Judas Iscariot. He went and he and he betrayed him. He betrayed our Lord for 30 pieces of silver. He handed him over. Judas lost faith. When did he lose faith? Go back when Jesus proclaimed to in Capernaum when he announced himself as the bread of life. 
that you must eat my flesh and drink my blood in order to have eternal life. And at the end of that discourse, many of Jesus' disciples could not accept this. They thought it was literally cannibalism. Jesus never bothered to explain the meaning of his words because he knew he, they were literal meaning. They were literal truth. When he asked the disciples, his apostles, are you two going to leave me? Peter, Simon Peter answered, Lord, where are we to go? You have the words of life. And Jesus said, I didn't, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Okay, traditionally, traditionally, the student goes after the rabbi and chooses the rabbi. And the student has to prove himself that he's really, that he's true about this, that he really wants to be a student of the rabbi. But in this case, Jesus said, one of you is a devil. He was referring, John the Apostle says, he was referring to Judas Iscariot who would betray him. So you see what the problem here is. Judas did not believe Jesus, nor did he love Jesus enough. Judas is the warning. And we have a lot of Judases in the church now. Many don't believe in the real presence. I remember one story about the real presence about a bishop. I don't know where this was. I forgot the country, but it was South America. It might have been Colombia or Argentina. It wasn't Jorge Bergoglio. There was fear in the bishop that this miracle, this Eucharistic miracle is real. This bishop was so horrified. He went to the parish where the miracle was taking place and literally took the bleeding sacrament the bleeding sacrament, the flesh and blood, and he went out and buried it in a field. Why he did that, I don't know. But he literally took a shovel and destroyed it. Think about it. A bishop went out of his way to do this. He didn't want this miracle. He didn't want to this presence he went out and destroyed the real presence why why would why would a bishop a successor of the apostles do this think about think about it i could how could anyone do this did he, what did he fear? Why did he fear the world more than he feared God? Why was the, the world present in him than the real presence of our Lord? It's frightening. It's frightening. Such things are actually frightening. But we have to, we have to be a Eucharistic people. We have to live with Christ in us. Think about it. When we go to communion, we receive the resurrected Jesus Christ in our soul. The resurrected Christ, the glorified Christ in us. You're not receiving a piece of flesh. You're not receiving a piece of his arm or his, or his, or his hip 
or the flesh. You know, no, you're receiving the whole Christ, the glorified Christ. When Jesus resurrected on the road to Emmaus, they didn't know it was him. But when he sat at the table and said the blessing, their eyes were opened. They, re they were receiving the glorified Christ in their lives. So imagine if we really live with that, that glory in us, when we receive him in communion, we should acknowledge the glorified Christ in our souls, the living Christ in us. I think maybe we would see much blessings, many blessings in our lives. But this, this, that was that story really broke my heart when I heard about that. It broke my heart when I heard about that the bishop did that, and it breaks my heart hearing that Catholics don't believe in the in the true presence. But at the same time, I have to judge myself: how many times have I acted like I don't believe in the real presence? How my I, I go back to the sins that. That, that hound me and maybe I go back to you know to to the to my work life to my weekday like I didn't even celebrate Sunday but we have to live we have to take it seriously and I think a lot of this we have to we have to celebrate there are certain I think devotions we have to do certain prayers we have to do to in order to make it real one is reading the scriptures, reading the gospels, reading the Psalms. Another thing I think there's certain devotions we should do. I've actually started to develop an attraction to devotion to the Holy Face, to the Christ in the shroud. I really believe that Jesus, that the shroud of Truin shows us the real face of Jesus. And I, and that to me is Eucharistic. To me it's Eucharistic because it reminds me how much Jesus suffered. And also the Stations of the Cross. The Stations of the Cross is, is one that I think we should do privately. You know, you don't have to do all of it, but one thing is for certain. We have to be, we have to practice this. Like, I like the Luminous Mysteries. I think that it's beautiful that we have the Last Supper and the Luminous Mysteries. Being familiar with the gospel, being familiar with with our with our Lord's words, are very important. So, you know the the devotion to the Holy Face. Actually, there is a chaplet, and one of the interesting things is a book. I'm about to read it, and basically. The devotion to the Holy Face uh, was brought back into the world because at the time when Kant, when Marxism was actually rising up, this is interesting that these devotions are are made known to us. Um, it takes its prayer one uh, on the chaplet. There's actually five decades, and there's six. Um, six beads between each decade, basically. It's broken up. And the psalm, I think it's Psalm 68. 
Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. And let all those who hate thee be cr- let all those who hate thee be crushed before thy hope be, be, be destroyed in, before thy holy face, before thy face. So it's a, it's a passage from the Psalms and you say that on each beat. Um, then there's like a prayer, eternal father, uh, eternal, oh, eternal God, our father and protector. We ask you to not look up, to look upon us and on, on the holy face of thy son. And then you see, like there's a glory be, and then there's like, oh, oh, uh, a holy face of Jesus, have mercy. My Jesus, my holy face of Jesus, have mercy. This, you know, it's it's it, you can get the chaplet, you can go on Amazon and get it, and then get a book about the holy face. But the devotion to the holy face, I think, is important, and I think it should be. It's it's a it's it's a little rosary, chaplet rosary. And I think one should be devoted to the Holy Face because it makes it's personal. I don't know. I find myself being attracted to it. I think I think God is drawing me to it. I believe God. I believe the, that the Holy Spirit is drawing me to it, speaking to my heart about it because I think I need this devotion. I have a picture on my wall, a photo of the face of the shroud. And I think you can get, you, I definitely know you can get uh, cards with the, with the shroud, the face of our Lord in it. And I think that's important because also there's also the the devotion to the holy face that was given to Saint Veronica when she wiped the face of our Lord. It's not in the gospel, but it was most definitely she it's believed that she's the one who was the bleeding woman, the the lady lady who was of the flow of blood. So I think we we need to develop these devotions. I mean, to me, the holy face of our Lord is as close as, as Eucharistic. It's Eucharistic. To visualize the image in your head, the bruised face, the bruised and disfigured, the bleeding face, the bruised lips, the bruised cheek, the bruised eyes that, you know, to, to imagine, you know, the disfigured and that he, he loves us and he, and he still loves us and we love him to imagine him in the garden in Gethsemane praying for you, for me. For the fact that how many times we've sinned, how many times we've, we've, um, we've offended him, how many times we turned our back on him, the fact that he sweated blood, the fact that he, he cried, how many times, you know, we blasphemed, how many times we've, you know, We've, we, you know, just forgot about him. We didn't think about him. Our sins is, gave him pain. He sweated blood. He was crushed. He was, 
you know, the Garden of Gethsemane is where they crush the olive oil and the first press, the virgin olive oil, which is the best, the best quality, the smell of it. And it's used for, for holy services. He was crushed like olive oil. He was squeezed. He did this on our behalf. That's important. And I think devotions to the Holy Face, you can, I think you should get it. There's a book. I got two books and I want to, I want to show you. One is called The Golden Arrow. It's by Tan Books. Devotion to the Holy Face of Jesus. Revelations of Sister Mary of St. Peter. And there's another one. Right here. The Secrets of the Holy Face. Again, it's from Tam Books. Devotion Destined to Save Society. By Father Lawrence Daniel Carney III. Um, and there's a forward here by Mary Jane Saslow. Saslow. Now, I'm going to... It's, if you go on Amazon, you can get a chaplet of the Holy Face. It's actually quite beautiful. You get it blessed. Um, again, like I said, there's a cross. And on the cross, there's the veil of Veronica. And on the veil, uh, you see the face of our Lord. And on each side, one side has the sacred heart of Jesus with the crown of thorns, with the cross and the burning cross. And on the other side is the immaculate heart of Our Lady. In the center that holds, um, it has three beads right above the crucifix between as a medal. And in the medal, there's actually the face, the holy face of our Lord. And it looks like a regular rosary, but it's it has five decades, but it's not ten beads. Each one, each decade of six beads, one, two, three, four, five, six, is separated by one bead. And you, okay, um, let me read it to you. There's a card that comes with it. It's not meant to replace the rosary, but it definitely, it's an addition to your, uh, to your devotion. You probably could say it on, on a regular rosary bead. I don't see any any uh, problem with that, even if it's like a little longer. But here, um, the card, it has a chaplet of the Holy Face, has the image of the Veronica veil on it. A beautiful uh, rendition of it, uh, illustration. This chaplet was... This chaplet, in this chaplet, we honor the five senses of our Lord Jesus Christ and entreat God for the triumph of his church. The chaplet is composed of a crucifix and 39 beads. The 33 group beads represent the 33 years of our Lord's life. The first 30 
recall to mind the 30 years of Jesus' hidden life. Makes sense, right? Right before he began his public ministry. The first 30 beads are divided into five groups of six to honor the five senses, touch, hearing, sight, smell, and taste of Jesus. All right. These senses re, uh, reside primarily in the holy face of Jesus. Hence, we render homage to all the sufferings our Lord endured in his face through each one of these senses. On the crucifix, make the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Then you say, O God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. This is from a psalm. Forgot which psalm, but it's, you can look it up. And then you say, Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever will be, world without end. Now, I um, I just heard that this particular, like the glory be that we say, came from actually uh, the Anglican Church, the correct. You, there's another way you could say this, because uh, it's actually not correct. Seculorum, seculorum. All right, which is translated world without end, can be translated correctly by the Byzantine Catholics. They actually say, unto ages of ages. In other words, you could say, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be unto ages of ages. Right? That sounds, it's, you know, I could I could live with that. I could say that. And then on each of the of the six separated beads, pray, my Jesus mercy, and one glory be. Okay, okay. And on the thirty, uh, on the thirty-three small beads, this is from Psalm sixty-eight. Right. Uh, Arise, O Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered, and let all who hate thee. Flee before thy face. All right? Flee before thy face. After all of this, pray the glory be seven times in honor of the seven words of Jesus from the cross. And on the medal, at the end, pray, O God, our, our protector, look on us and on the face of Christ. I think it's very beautiful. I think this is this is something I could. It's quick. It doesn't take long to say it. Let me tell you that. It doesn't take uh, a long time to say it, but um, definitely, uh, like I said, that particular uh, prayer, which is "Arise, O Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered, and all who hate thee flee before thy face." It's it's meant to be uh, against communism it's really it's meant to be against communism and look what's happened to woke culture around us we need we need to actually develop more devotion i think you should go online get yourself you can actually get a photo of the image of the holy face from the shroud of turin right get it framed and get it blessed by your priest let your Go take it to your to your parish parish priest and have it blessed. Put it in your um, 
in in your room you can set it up on a on a shelf somewhere and and say it as a private devotion you can say at home you can actually create a holy corner where you could pray uh pray and you know your bible or something and even you know even like you know just move it around if you have to like if you feel comfortable maybe in another spot but the point is more devotion more private devotion more true devotion and maybe you can tell your friends or develop a, a group where you can pray together this is very important you need we need we need to do this because the reason why there's so much evil in the world, the reason why we're having all this evil is because of a lack of people praying. But there, as Paul said, as sin increases, grace increases more. And we've seen the result of this as well. In Paris, in France, 5,000 463, I believe, people have entered the Catholic faith. 3% were people of Muslim background. I myself come from a Muslim background. Think about that. 3% are entering the faith of, of who come from Muslim background. Why? There's been a lot of increase, an increase of a, a people of uh of Christ if you notice in the media things like the chosen things like uh the Jesus revolution i'm not saying they're the completely the answer but there's pe- but there's more talk you know maybe you know yes michael voris doesn't agree with it taylor marshall doesn't agree with it but you can't you can't ignore the benefits it brings it does bring a lot of attention and we need more. We even have a movie about Abraham called uh, His Only Son. Think about that. We didn't have that. Catholics, we used to do, we used to make stuff like this. We're not even, you know, we're not making uh, stuff about the Bible anymore. And Gibson is planning to make a, a sequel to The Resurrection. That gets more attention, more, more brings people, brings God into the public arena. Like I said, being... Christian, being a follower of Christ, being Roman Catholic is political, is political, all right? It, politics is about loving your neighbor and loving your enemies because they're both the same people. And God wants to be in the center of the talk, all right? We, he wants to be, he wants the spotlight. He wants us to be. Christ was on the balcony up there with Pontius Pilate. And the crowd had a choice between Jesus and Barabbas. They chose Barabbas, who's also, his name was Jesus. All right? His name Barabba, Barabba means son of the father. He was probably, most likely could have been a Levite. He could have been a son of a priest. All right? And he chose to be a zealot, a revolutionary. An insurrectionist, believe it or not. He killed a Roman officer. And the crowd chose him, chose the revolutionary, and sent the Son of God to the cross. 
Pilate comes out and says, I see no guilt in this man. And doesn't know why. Why do you want to crucify him? And they they gave him their reason. And then suddenly he ended it by saying, it, it's not I that want him dead. It's you. He washes his hands with water. I wash my hands up this. Take him and crucify him yourself. Pretty political. Just like a politician. Just like a politician, he washes his hands. But what was... Like the Dr. Turley said in Turley Talks, what was it? What was it in between? What is truth? A politician doesn't want to be pinned down. A politician wants to have the wiggle room. His God was politics. His God was remaining in power. And like a just like a relativist, like relativism. They don't want to be pinned to truth. It all depends on your interpretation of what truth is. There's no absolute truth to a politician or to some intellectual in a university or even to someone who doesn't believe in morality. Just like they're they're trying to change. They're saying sex is a social construct. Right? And they always do this. People like that, amoralists and politicians always do this. You can't trust people like this. You can't trust them. Absolutely hypocritical and absolute liar. You know, I mean, Pilate was, who knows? Maybe he wasn't a bad guy, but he was definitely a politician. And his wife did have a dream. Claudia did have a dream and did warn him but he didn't listen yeah it's a problem so let's let's develop a more um more sacramental lifestyle a more sacramental prayerful lifestyle i think that's what's important about all this so the books let me read you a little bit of here uh from the golden arrow it's an interesting title, right? In Tours, France, during the 1840s, a young Carmelite nun received a series of revelations from our Lord about a powerful devotion. He wished to be established worldwide, the devotion to his holy face. The express purpose of this devotion was to make reparation for the blasphemies and outrage, outrage, outrages of revolutionary men the communists, interesting, through whom God is allowing the world to be chastised for its unbelief, as well as for the blasphemies of atheists and free thinkers and others, plus for the blasphemy of the profaning of Sundays by Christians, specifically, specifically, this devotion is the divine tool given by God to defeat the defeat communism, but is also an instrument given to the individual devotees as a seemingly unfailing method of appealing to God in prayer through adoration of his holy face and name. Which is, again, 
in my belief, it has a lot to do with his real presence. Our Lord gives Sister Mary a short but powerful prayer called the Golden Arrow, by which a person can shoot directly into the heart of God to heal the wounds inflicted, inflicted, inflicted on it by the malice of sinners. Of the nine promises connected with this devotion, the first three are, By my holy face you will work miracles. Two, by my holy face you will obtain the conversion of many sinners. And three, nothing you ask in making this offering will be refused to you. The editor says this devotion brought St. Therese to her great sanctity. Anyone who is searching for a spiritual method for fighting communism and its programs and or who is searching for a virtually infallible method of prayer will be delighted with the golden arrow. So there you, there you have it. This is something uh to you know to uh to look into. And I and here in the back of the the card uh here's here are the prayers. Um I believe this a lot of these come from from uh from the devotion. The first one, be merciful to us, O my God, and reject not our prayers when amid our afflictions we call upon thy holy name and seek with love and confidence thine adorable face. Amen. Second prayer, O almighty and eternal God, look upon the face of thy son Jesus. We present it to thee with confidence to implore thy pardon. The old merciful advocate opens his, his mouth to plead our cause. Broken to his, uh, hearken, I'm sorry. Let me read it again. O almighty and eternal God, look upon the face of thy son Jesus. We present it to thee with confidence to implore thy pardon. The old merciful advocate opens his mouth to plead our cause, hearken to his cries, behold his tears, O God, through his infinite merits, hearken to him when he intercedes for us poor, miserable sinners. Amen. Third one, adorable face of my Jesus, my only love, my, my light and my life, grant that I may know, love, and serve thee alone that I may live with thee, that I may live with thee, of thee, by thee, and for thee. Amen. That's beautiful. The fourth one. Eternal Father, I offer thee the adorable face of thy beloved Son for the honor and glory of thy name, for the conversion of sinners, and for the salvation of the dying. Okay, and then here there's a... a a shorter one doesn't say amen so i'm guessing it continues O divine jesus through thy face and name save us our hope is in is in the virtue of thy holy holy name amen so yeah we we have here and let me see if i can doesn't there's not a, a lot of chapters doesn't explain it's too bad but i'll go to the back 
Uh, I know I, I looked in the back earlier and here appendices. Let me see. I think there's some prayers here. Hold on. Okay. It's a photo of the of the shroud face and here. Okay, hold on. Here is a chapter. Alright. And prayers and reparations. Okay. Here's a picture of one of Saint Veronica. On her right shoulder you can see the Calvary, Golgotha, with the three crosses, and she's holding the veil with the holy face of Jesus. Okay, and it says here, St. Veronica and the veil on which our Lord miraculously imprinted the image of his countenance when Veronica presented him with the veil to wipe his face on his soul for journey to Calvary. Okay, the golden arrow. Okay, this prayer directed by our Lord himself to Sister Mary of St. Peter, opening his heart to her, our Savior com complained of blasphemy, saying that this frightful sin wounds his divine heart more grievously than all others, than all other sins, for it was like a poisoned arrow. After that, our Savior dictated the following prayer, which he called the golden arrow. Okay, we'll look at the next page, hold on. Saying that those who would recite this prayer would pierce him delightfully and also heal the heal those other wounds inflicted on him by, by the malice of sinners. This prayer is regarded as the very basis of the work of reparation. It is recommended for recitation each day of the 33 beads of the holy face chaplet okay we'll go to the next page and we'll it's okay so this is something i think is i believe that god is calling me to do i believe that we should all do this prayer reparation in praise of the holy name of god entitled the golden arrow may the most holy most sacred most adorable most incomprehensible and un an unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth and under the earth, by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. After receiving this prayer, Sister Mary of St. Peter was given a vision in which she saw the sacred heart of Jesus delightfully wounded by this golden arrow, as torrents of graces streamed from it for the conversion of sinners. All right, so you can actually, I think you should, um, there's books, I think, um, traditional Catholic prayers, but I think just look up uh, devotion to the holy face of Jesus, and you'll get it. Again, may the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven and in heaven, on earth and under the earth, by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen.
Okay, and then here, offering of the holy face is on the other page here, page 227. Offering of the holy face of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father, order the to appease his justice and draw down mercy upon us. Eternal Father, turn away your angry gaze from our guilt from uh, from our guilty people whose face has become unsightly in your eyes. Look unsteeded unsteaded upon the unsteed insteed look I'm sorry. Let me start again. Eternal Father, turn away your angry gaze from our guilt from our guilty people whose face has become unsightly in your eyes. Look instead upon the face of your beloved Son, for this is the face of him in whom you are well pleased. We now offer you this, uh, this holy face, covered with shame, disfigured by bloody bruises, in reparation for the crimes of our age, in order to appear, appease your anger, justly provoked against us, because your divine Son, our Redeemer, has taken upon his head all the sins of his members, that they might be spared. We now beg of you, Eternal Father, to grant us mercy. Amen. So, so that's a beautiful prayer. Now here's others. Aspiration for the Eternal Father to be frequently recited during the day. Eternal Father, I offer you the holy face of Jesus covered with blood, sweat, dust, and spittle in reparation for the crimes of communists, blasphemers, and for the profane, profaners, profaners of the holy name and of the holy day. Amen. This is, of course, for the fact that people profane his holy name. Because a lot of people who say the name of the Lord, uh, you know, they just drop the Lord, our Lord's name with an F-bomb. Uh, you know, they like it's just disrespectful. They just say the name Jesus. They throw it out there like if it's nothing. Profaners of the holy name and of the holy day. Amen. And this is another one. Prayer to reproduce the image of God in our souls. Our Lord told Sister Mary of St. Peter that the image of his holy face is like a divine stamp, which, it, which, uh, which, if applied to souls through prayer, has the power of imprinting anew within the, living, the, the image of God. I salute you, I adore you, and I love you, O adorable face of my beloved Jesus. As the noble stamp of thy divinity, completely sur surrounding my soul to you, surrendering my soul to you, I most humbly beg you to stamp this seal upon us all, so that the image of God may once more be reproduced by its imprint in our souls. Amen. So, I'll read it one more time. I salute you, I adore you, and I love you. O oh, adorable face of my beloved Jesus, as the noble stamp of divinity, I completely surrendering myself, my soul to you, I most humbly beg you to stamp this seal upon us all, so that the image of God may once more be reproduced by its imprint 
in our souls. Amen. And then here, prayer to obtain the settlement of uh, the settlement of all in our needs. This is a little longer one. O Eternal Father, since it has pleased our Divine Savior to reveal to mankind in our present century the power residing in His holy face, we now avail ourselves of this treasure, of this treasure in our great needs, since our Savior Himself promised that by, that by offering to you, O Eternal Father, the holy face disfigured in the passion, we can procure the settlement of, of all the affairs of our household and, the, and that nothing would, whatsoever will be refused us. We now come before your throne, offering to you, O God, this adorable countenance disfigured with painful bruises, uh, bruises and covered with shame and confusion we beg through the merits of this holy face to obtain the uh, these our most pressing needs grant us pardon eternal father for the worst crimes of our age which are atheism which are atheism blasphemy and the desecration of your holy days Avert from us destruction by war and its consequences which looms through the, the malice of revolutionary men who have risen up to stamp out religion from the face of the earth through false indoctr indoctrination and who are now who, who now stand ready to impose their wicked designs with militaristic force may this offering of the holy face of our savior before your throne of majesty obtain for us deliverance from these evils send us O god zealous and enlightened laborers by conferring many vocations to the priesthood and to religion so that by their prayers their works and their sacrifices they may spread the they may spread the blessings of your church and confound your enemies amen this is very important all this was given during the 1840s why isn't anybody paying attention to this this was all predicted look what's happened today look at all the stuff going on today i think devotion to the holy face is Devotion to the Sacred Heart, devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, to the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. These prayers are very important. We need to practice this by looking on the face of our Lord, especially in the Shroud. It's devotion to the Incarnation, to the real incarnate Christ who the word becoming flesh, the word becoming a man walking among us. And these, these people, all this stuff, especially with the transgenderism, with everything that's happening around us is all an attack against the incarnation of our Lord. If you do, we need to take this seriously 
That's what. That's why they're doing this. That's why they're saying to young men and young women, a young man can become a woman, a young woman can become a man, or you. You. There's a whole bunch of different spectrums in between. You can be both. You can be man and woman, or you can be cisgender, or you can be multi-gender or whatever the heck it is and then there's they're they're doing this they're chemically castrating these kids and then now with with this whole globalist elites practicing these these horrible uh you know with this whole stuff about the environment they're taking god out of people's lives they're doing this to attack us and a lot of us are not practicing uh, true devotion to our Lord, true belief in the in the blessed blessed sacrament. I mean, there's you know all this stuff and all. That's why that's why all these blasphemies happen, especially in the liturgy. All this was to destroy faith, to destroy the real faith of our Lord, the real presence of our Lord in, in the in the in the liturgy, in the sacrament, in our lives, and to wipe out Christ from history. Devotion to the devotion to our Lord in especially his holy face is devotion to a person who who truly exists, not just in the past, but he's present today. Christ is present today. We need to start this. We need to practice this. Please, I beg you, start practicing uh, devotion to the holy face. Get yourself this book. Get the get yourself the the golden arrow, the devotion to the holy face of Jesus, revelations to Saint Mary of Saint Peter, and it's the secret of the holy face, devotion destined to save society, by Father Lawrence Daniel Carney, the third. Okay, get that. It's all you can get it from Tan's book. I think it's worth it. And and get yourself the chaplet. Devote uh, the, the chaplet to the Holy Face. Get yourself this uh, and start practicing it. I'm going to end it here. I'm glad I was able to do this because this is something that's been, I I started uh, looking into. And um, I believe the Holy Spirit is guiding me to do this. I, I believe it. I believe God wants me to say this. And I think we should start practicing this. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. I adore you, O Christ, and I praise you, for by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. I adore you, O Christ, and I praise you, for by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. I adore you, O Christ, and I praise you, by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. My holy face of Jesus, have mercy on us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless.